Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. All right, man, what's some great preaching over the past couple of weeks, amen? Man, you can say it, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay to, to say somebody else is a good preacher, that's fine. Oh, but uh, it's really good. We've been going through the book of Philippians and uh, a series called Joy for the Journey. Of course, we're going to continue that this morning. And I don't know about you, but I have joy, joy, joy down in my heart this morning coming back home and watching those cats whip up on South Carolina. Just praise God for that. You know, honestly... uh, our joy is so much more than that. Now that, that makes me happy, don't get me wrong. But joy is not winning a ball game. Joy is winning a bowl or having a winning season. Alright? <laughs> we'll, we'll, make, we'll make the analogy a little more clear here in a minute. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we started this series on our sun, during our Sunday night group, if you're not coming to, I highly encourage you to come. We, we really talk a little bit more in depth about this stuff. I asked the group this question, what is joy? And you think about it, it's not really an easy question to define. But later that week, somebody sent me, they sat and thought about this, which I thought was pretty awesome. And they sent me a definition of what they believed joy was. Somebody from this church. And man, it is textbook. Let me read you this. I won't tell you who it is. I don't want to embarrass them. But they said, joy, I think, is a winning ending. No matter the current situation, a positive end of the road, the assurance that it's going to be a great end of the road no matter what happens, what happiness or sadness one finds themselves along the way. Man, I thought that was pretty outstanding. Somebody right here in these seats come up with that definition. A a winning ending It's what joy is all about. Today we're going to talk about, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, something we don't talk about a lot. And I think we should. And that is joy through humility. We don't like to talk about humility because it's totally unnatural to who we are as people. And humility is its tough to learn, but, but it's, it's almost a delayed gratification in a sense. It's, it's, it's tough to learn. It's tough to master because as soon as you think you've got it figured out, you've lost it. The moment you say, well, I'm the most humble person in the room, then you're not humble anymore. Uh, and so it, 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 it's, it's tough. And it's so contrary to our, our prideful nature that we have. And, and really, I'll be honest with you, if, if the devil wants you to sin, he's probably going to puff up your pride. So if you want to begin to really combat Satan and really confront sin, humility is a great place to start. Uh, if we master it, We'll have so much more joy for the journey. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said about pride. C.S. Lewis said, Pride is the mother hen under which all other sins are hatched. How do you combat pride? Humility. Humility will combat sin. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Paul teaches us to set aside our pride 
set aside our selfishness, love one another. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. If you want to turn there in your Bible, of course, we'll have them on the screen. But Paul says this, one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest portions of Scripture in the Bible. Paul says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, that's the prerequisite here. United with Christ. That's the key. If any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking toward your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or uh, the same attitude of Christ Jesus. And this is where it gets awesome. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. I think I could just sit down after that. Paul pretty well hits it on the head. But we're going to focus on Humility, because like I said, humility is such a very difficult thing. I mean, it's, it's tough to master, mostly because we are so prideful. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are pretty vain people, especially in our corner of the earth in America. Now, I love America, but man, we are, we are some proud folks. Even here in the mountains, we're pretty proud. But humility is going to happen one of two ways. Either you're going to choose to be humble, or you're going to be humiliated at some point in your life. Now, it's a lot easier to just do it by choice instead of being humiliated. Now, before we get into that, we have to answer the question, why does Paul begin this section with that magic word, therefore? What's it there for? Well, go back to chapter 1. Remember, there was a time when there weren't chapters and verses in our Bibles. This was a letter written by Paul to the Philippian church. Back up a couple of verses... Chapter 1, verse 29, he says, For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him. Now, we like that part, right? We like the believing part. We like the happy Christian, full of joy part. He says, but also to suffer for Him. We don't like to talk about that part. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I have. So, because you're united with Christ, you believe in Him, you're going to suffer for Him, therefore... And then he goes on to list these wonderful aspects of the Christian life. Encouragement from your union with Christ. Comfort from His love. Fellowship with His Spirit. Tenderness and compassion. And he says, make my joy complete by being united together for Christ. Now, as I reflected on this this week, I, I really get what Paul's saying here. There is a lot of joy 
when the people that you love, the people that you've invested yourself in, begin to do the things that God wants them to do. I've had a lot of joy the past two weeks. I, you, you realize I haven't preached. This is, it's been three weeks since I've preached. And it's been awesome. Not, <laughs> that came out wrong, didn't it? Not because I haven't had to preach, but because I've got to watch these other guys stand up here and preach God's Word so powerfully and so faithfully. It would have been a lot, it would have been real easy for me, just honestly, to sit back in my vanity and just hope that being away these two weeks, things could just fall apart. Everybody just missed the pastor so much. Wouldn't that just be so selfish and conceited? Because I've had joy watching these guys divide God's Word so rightfully. So here's the first point. What Paul's trying to get across is there's joy when God's people love like Jesus. Well, then I thought we saw about humility, Brian. We mean when we love like Jesus. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference between true humility and true love, true agape love that Jesus had for us? The, and this humility that Paul's talking about, what, what, what is different? Well, they're not exactly the same, but I'll tell you, you cannot have one without the other. We know we're called to love as Christians. Jesus said the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We are supposed to be loving people. And I would say that as Christians, we're called as much to practice Love is we're called to practice humility. And flip that around if you want. Tim Challies said this. He said, love is impossible without humility. If I want to excel at love, I first need to learn to be humble. To learn to count my own joy and pleasure as less important than the joy and the pleasure of someone else. Perhaps the key to love is learning to derive pleasure from someone else's pleasure. Selfless love is to find pleasure in another person's pleasure. Man, this translates into every area of our life. In your marriage, in the way that you deal with uh, your friends, with your co-workers, the way that we should deal with anybody as Christians. Max Anders says, love and humility go together. You cannot have one without the other. I like the way the message puts these first four verses, the message translation. Listen to, to this. The message says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His Love has made any difference in your life. If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Well, we got some sweet-talkers, don't we? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Humility is putting somebody else's needs, somebody else's pleasure, somebody else's joy even, above your own. And godly love as demonstrated by Christ is exactly the same. So if you're going to love like Christ, which we're going to talk about momentarily, you have to humble yourself like Christ. It's only through this, I think Paul would say, the church will really be unified in their mission. What's our mission? 
to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. We cannot do it when we're all divided out and seeking our own, whatever it is we're seeking, but humbled and united together. So how did Christ love and how did Christ humble himself? Paul answers that. How should we do it? I thought of a lot of ways to say this. And the best thing I come up with is we need to love by holding nothing back. Loving like Christ means loving with keeping nothing in reserve. Laying it all out there with no holds barred. I like that one. Giving it all, expecting nothing in return. It's total and complete, unconditional, even humiliating love. That's how Christ loves you. You realize that, right? Christ loves you that way. Paul says there in verse 5, he says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Listen to the language that he humbled himself. He wasn't humiliated. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Easton used to think that I knew everything. Really, probably about a year ago, I had to convince I Dad knows everything, and. Uh, this week, actually, we were doing something. He said, Dad, how'd you know that? I said, buddy, Dad knows everything. He said, no, you don't. <laughs> so I said, oh, really, Mr. Five-Year-Old? I don't know everything, huh? He says, you don't know how Jesus has been alive even before the world was formed. So you got me, son. Dad don't know everything, but he knows a lot. <laughs> you see, there was a time when Jesus the man did not exist. But there was never a time that Jesus, the Son of God, did not exist. He has been there since eternity past with the Father. He was there when God spoke the universe and the world into existence. And then at the appointed time, Jesus stepped out of the realms of heaven and glory. Became a babe that we will celebrate here in a few months. A poor son of a carpenter. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And he lived as one of us. Just a normal man. Then one day, his life ended. Not only did he become one of us, he died for us. On that cross, taking our sin, our guilt, our filthiness upon himself. I think part of, I know part of my joy comes from remembering how much God loves me how much Christ loves me. You see, no matter the hurts and no matter the sufferings and the things that we're going to endure in this life, no matter what happens, at the end of the day, God still loves me. And man, that brings me joy through any situation and peace. And if you ever doubt it, just look back. God has proven. The Bible says He's demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says, now this is where it begins to hit home. Paul says we are to have the same attitude 
as Christ Jesus in the way that we love each other, in the way that we deal with people. How many Christians have the attitude like Jesus? <laughs> I don't always. I was driving home on the interstate yesterday, man, and them people in Alabama, they're the... I thought, I thought Buckeyes were bad to drive in the left lane. Let me tell you something. I'm Alabama folk. I love you in Alabama if you're watching, by the way. But move over to the right. <laughs> all right. But in our love for others, in our, all of our relationships, we are to love with the same humble love that Jesus demonstrated on this earth. Now, what's that mean? It means loving no matter the cost. Think about the cost of Christ to leave heaven, leave the Father's side, become a man, emptied of His glory, and to die on a cross for us. Not only to die there, but to, to take our sin upon Himself. You realize... As he hung on the cross, he could have called on all the armies of heaven to come and take him down. I believe nails didn't keep him there. I think his love for us kept him on the cross. It means loving people that can't repay you. There's no way. Even on my best day, as much as good as I can do, as many good things as I can do, I could never do enough to repay Christ for what he's done for me. It means loving people that don't deserve it. Millions and millions and millions of people will never turn to Jesus. Now that's not an excuse for us not to try and get them to. But the truth is, many won't. But you know, I believe He died for them just the same as He died for me and you. It means loving people that are hard to love. Do I even need to talk about this one? Some people are just hard to love, but it means going the extra mile for them just as it means going the extra mile for somebody that you like and it's easy to get along with. It, Paul says that Christ loved so much that He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And 1 John reminds us, He died for the whole world. Not just a few. He died for the entire world. That's a lot of people. Good people, Bad people, ugly people, white people, black people, funny people. He died for the whole world. How many people would you die for? How many people do you love enough that you would forfeit your life? Maybe a spouse. Maybe some children. Some of our children. Maybe some close friends or relatives. It's probably a pretty short list, isn't it? The people that you'd actually lay down your life for. This is why I respect the members of our armed forces so much. When they took that oath to defend the Constitution, they said, I'm willing to die for 325 million Americans, if that's what it takes. But you know what? Jesus was willing to die for a whole lot more than 300 million, 325 million Americans. For God's loved the world that He gave His only Son. We've got to understand, although there may be some cost and there may be some sacrifice along the way in this journey of being a Christ follower, we've got to realize not all is lost when we sacrifice 
for Him, for His kingdom. Uh, when we practice this kind of love and this kind of humility that Paul is showing us through the example of Christ, it's a... It's something that in the long term it's not going to go unrewarded. Like I said, it's a delayed gratification. Look at what, what Paul says. Third and final point this morning. One day it will be worth it all. I think this is the essence of what our joy really is. It's not looking at the here and now, but it's looking at the at the bowl game. It's looking down the road for a is our definition. From right here at Rockhouse said, it's looking at the winning ending that we have. It may cost us now. It may even hurt now. We may, we may, it may be humiliating <laughs> now sometimes. But one day, it's going to be worth it all. Now this is, this is tough for us because it goes against everything that we are as 21st century Americans. We love instant gratification. We love our microwave macaroni and cheese and having the news right there in the palm of our hand as soon as it happens. But this is delayed. When we live, when we love like Christ, and we live in love with the end in mind, look at what Paul says. He says, Therefore, talking about Christ's obedience and His love and His humility, dying on the cross. He says, Therefore, God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That pretty much includes everybody. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even Christ's suffering for us was temporary. Even His death was temporary. It only lasted three days. And He burst out of that grave as victor and conqueror forever. But there's still more glory that's coming for the Lord Jesus. One day, God is going to reward him like we can only imagine. He came the first time as a poor baby wrapped in those swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. A servant, a slave for humanity. The next time he comes, which I think is going to be pretty soon, he's coming. Not as a baby, not as the son of a carpenter, not as a poor man to... To, to, to be like us. He's returning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Paul says when he does, every tongue will confess, will acknowledge that He is Lord. And that means even people that didn't want to do so in this life. That means that the rocket man in North Korea and his father and grandfather who have persecuted our brothers and sisters for so many years, one day, one day, they're going to bow their knees before Jesus and say that He is King after all. It means the Ayatollah in Iran is going to forget who Muhammad is. He's going to forget Allah and disown them. And he's going to bow his knee before Jesus and proclaim Him as Lord. It means that Adolf Hitler and all those that have persecuted God's people for so many years are going to bow before Jesus and call Him Lord. Now, listen closely. I believe that Although that's going to happen, it's a lot better to acknowledge Him as Lord in this life willingly than to do so in the next life by force. Trust me, you, it, it's going to be a lot easier on you if you do it today and then to, to wait until you have to. You see, 
for the believer, and this is where our joy comes in to play. For the one that follows Christ, one day everything you've done, all those late days and nights driving the buses and loving those people that are unlovable and getting beat up by some cranky church member, you know, whatever you've had to deal with. And that's just the first world problems. Every sacrifice you made, one day it's going to be worth it all. Because one day, either we're going to leave this world or Christ is going to come back. And Tom, you're going to get to stand before him. He's going to look you in the face. That one that died for you. He's going to say, well done. <laughs> My good and faithful servant. Man. Enter into the place I've prepared for you. I don't know about you. <laughs> that gives me some joy. That gives me something to look forward to. And I want everybody to be able to have that same future hope. And as Paul said, it comes. The key to having that is being united with Christ. It's saying, I may not be worth His blood. I may not be worth His sacrifice. I've probably done a lot of things in my life that makes me unlovable. But I accept the fact that God loved me anyway. And He died for me. And I placed my faith in Jesus for my salvation. And today, if you've never done that, just come. It's so easy. And I'm telling you, you think your life cannot change. You, think, you may even think your life can't even get any better. You have no idea until you've experienced Jesus. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we God, this morning I, I pray that that we would be humbled. God, humbled by the fact that that you loved us enough to send your only begotten Son, Lord, to die for us. God, even when we least deserve it, God, none of us deserve the love of Jesus. We don't deserve your grace. But Lord, you pour it out so faithfully and so freely. And God, I just pray that as Christians, Lord, we would all be humbled in our, the way that we love other people. God, that we can learn to love like Jesus. Because that's what the world's looking for, Lord. They're looking for that kind of love. Somebody that will love them unconditionally. And love them right to, to the feet of Jesus. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning, God, they've never experienced that kind of love in their life. Lord, maybe no one on this earth has loved them that way. I pray that they understand this morning they've got a Father in Heaven that loves them like that. God, that loves them more than they could ever begin to imagine. And God, I pray that they'd give their heart to Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. 
remember the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.